The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. So, where were we here? Is there, have there actually been tornadoes on the ground in Kansas? I heard the forecast like Jeb was alluding Ar- to. Arkansas and... Um Arkansas, Missouri, Wisconsin, uh, I believe Illinois, uh, they've all had tornadoes on the ground in the last 24 hours. Yeah. I know the forecast is for possible thunderstorms up here in Boston tomorrow. So, I mean, it's not an, you know not quite the same scale, but uh, it well, is we went, definitely We went out on the weather. far east of Wichita last night uh, to a little joint. Uh, we've taken Jeb to one here, uh, Ted's Montana Grill. Right. Uh, except this one happens to be across the street from Jabara Airport, uh, getting together with some friends, uh, the Greenbergs, who flies the jet prop. And right. and on the drive out there, uh, I was looking at lightning uh, that was on the west edge of the system that created all that havoc last right. night and this right. morning. It I is mean, weird. It, it is weird. I, I agree. We talked about this a while ago that, that – uh, Thunder and lightning in a snowstorm is bizarre. It, it, yeah. I've seen that before once. In yeah, DC. me too. Once or twice. It was like it was like uh, mid eighties or something. You know, saw, saw it living on Lookout Mountain years ago. Uh, yeah, there south of Chattanooga. You really feel like you're in one of those science. You're like in, the, in a Stephen King right. novel. You know, right? And, uh, and, and I've seen it a couple of times since we moved here to uh, Wichita. And uh, I, I got him. You, saying you it. just want you just want to go outside <laughs> and, and absorb it all because you know you got this damn near dead calm, straight down snow. Yeah. And then off in the distance, you can hear the wind coming and see see the light flashes and and it looks and sounds different in the snow. Oh yeah, I mean I would imagine what it's kind of muffly, kind of it's it's a diff- it's spooky, it's odd, it's it's bizarre. Speaking of spooky and odd and bizarre. Welcome, folks, to episode number 63 <laughs> of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General say, Aviation Podcast. What's Dave been doing this week? <laughs> Segway, did you go, George? <laughs> We're recording this episode on, uh, let's see if I get this right, it's Tuesday evening, January 8th, 2008. It's the, uh, today's the... Second one this year. Yeah, I, the, this I, is the, uh, the New Hampshire primary is today. We shouldn't talk about it. I see, I, I, well, I promised myself I wasn't going to mention that because it just opens a can of worms that we don't I, want. I've got it on the, on, in the, on the TV in the room across the way here. Yeah. I, I can't really see it or hear it, so uh, that's, that's probably a good thing. But, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. I, you know, I really hate it, though, when you, you, know, you push the record button and you don't tell us. Well, get used to it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> sucks gonna, to be me. We're going to bleep you again, so uh, that's all right. We're getting used to it. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be another take. It's going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow, Jeb's phrase, don't make us come up there. That's right. It's going to be another take a drink thing, so, you know, it's like. Oh, okay, okay. I haven't said anything bleepable, though, have I? I well, I don't know. It depends on where I start. Not yet. You know, it depends on where I pick the, the whole thing young. up, right? So, the, night, the night is young. I, I will, You're only I will on your second beer. 
Let me say hi uh, to these guys who yes. are here with and me. It's early on my second beer. <laughs> Let me say hi to these guys who are with me this evening in the virtual hangar. There are uh, guys with you this evening, Jack? That's right. Uh, Shock. Shocked. Amazing. That one right there is Jeb Burnside. Jeb is an aviation journalist currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine and also as, the, as a contributing editor to AvWeb Biz. And he's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How you doing? I'm spiffy. Absolutely. Spiffy, ducky, spiffy. Um, but you're telling me I've got to like I've got to like wave a flag. The, the 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 no cursing lamp is on. I've got to tell you. No cursing time. lamp is on. Yeah, you like, need the little uh, red light that comes on. I was going to say on, on the air. Yeah. You know, whip up some JavaScript or something. The truth of the matter is, this is podcasting. We really don't need to worry about this. There are lots of podcasts that are general interest podcasts where they don't worry about the cursing. But we sort of we, decided we, early we on. We only that, don't worry when we think nobody's listening. That's right. We we sort of decided early on that we were going to avoid the top three or four of the seven dirty words. And, uh, <laughs> uh, beat toots. Yeah. That's a beep we have. Uh-huh. And that's Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior Senior editor for Kit Planes magazine and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales magazine. He's talking to us from from Tornado Alley, Wichita, Kansas. I don't know. Are you actually in which in Tornado Alley out there? Uh, actually, yeah, we are. There's yeah. a you know if you just go down the block there, you see the street sign. Uh, the uh, <laughs> that's where stay, as long as you stay this side of, works, yeah. As long as you stay this side of the sign, you're safe, right? You know. And, uh, well, no, it it just lets you know that you you've crossed over into. It's kind of like ro- watching Rob Serling on New Year's Day telling you in several different ways how you've entered the twilight zone. This is one of them. And I am Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. I'm up here in Boston, Jeb, Massachusetts. Jeb, that has to be a freaking record right there. I know. I, I got right to it, huh? And uh, Man. Not even a, around to it, right to it. Uh-huh. Picture a man with a script in front of him. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but I've had the script all along. I mean, I used to forget all the time before, too. You know, it's like, uh, I'm just getting better at it, you know? And, uh, we all learn slowly, you know, except for Jeb, who's like been cursing more and more as time goes on. But, uh, but I don't know. I just, I've just been buying better beer. That's all. We've, we've, we've now crossed over officially into the podcast zone. That's right. Dun, 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 dun. So how's everything going? What's going on in aviation? Have you guys been flying? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, I um, long, kind of a long story. I'll, I'll try to make it short. I had my airplane in the uh, avionics shop. And uh, I just got tired of, of air traffic control telling me, hey, you know, by the way, we, we, we don't see you anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way. C's intermittent. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Mode C is bad. And then, you know, kind of sort of, you know, oh, we just we're calling you a primary target now. And can you fix it real <laughs> quick? Because you happen to be in the Washington in, 80s, you know. You know, in the spirit uh, of George Carlin, there's something kind of negative about being labeled a primary target. Yes, yes, yes. So did you get so, it fixed? What were you fixing? Well, I, um, I, well, after my last flight, I just taxied straight to the avionics shop. Uh, you, know, you know, it's like, I don't, don't even need to put this in the hangar right now. Taxied straight to the avionics shop and you know, grabbed a guy by the scruff of the neck and said, here, come here, let me show you something. Fix this. And um, they, they pulled the transponder out and, and benched it and, and uh, figured out what was wrong with it and that's like, you know, point three of an aviation maintenance unit. Okay, fine. Uh, in the meantime, um, they put a loaner in the airplane, so it's flyable. And uh, I launch out uh, Sunday afternoon. I'm going to go up to my uh, 
my family home in Georgia and um, take off and the gear up and I'm motoring along out of the pattern and I reach up and flick the the uh, audio panel switch to select the uh, the number two radio for ATC <clears throat> and I notice a little, this, this little flicker on the panel out of my eye and I look at the panel and I trace it to the uh, altimeter Mm-hmm. And I look at the altimeter. I'm in, I'm doing 120, 130 knots, you know, 750, 800 feet per minute climb. Altimeter is not moving. Okay. Altim- altimeter says 2,100 feet, and I'm not 2,100 feet yet. And the altimeter is not moving. And VSI is pegged at like, you know, 800 feet. I'm like, this is not a good sign. Yeah. Okay. So, so I pull off, the, pull, you know, pull power back a little bit, level off, and tool around a little bit and I tap the altimeter and nothing happens and turn the out the Colesman knob a little bit and Colesman window knob and nothing happens and I said well Uh-oh. you know I when think you turned the knob it didn't move didn't move it a bit yeah, didn't that's... move it I said I think this is broken <laughs> crack diagnosticians yes, I tell you you know I, I it didn't take me long to look at a horseshoe <laughs> and uh, I said well you know I don't want to fly to Georgia like this folks so uh, I turned around and, and landed um, and um, put the airplane back in a hangar and, and called the uh, avionics shop Monday morning and said hey you know y'all just made you know whatever however much more money but by the time this is all the smoke clears, it'll be another aviation maintenance unit. Yeah, um, put put a new altimeter in it. I, I'm it's not, not I'm an not encoding gonna, altimeter or anything it's, like it's not, that. Is no, it? it's just a basic uh, you know TSO altimeter. And I'm not even getting bother you know pulling this sucker out and sending it off somewhere because it's going to do it again at the wrong time. Well, so you, you really think I'm it was just, the altimeter was busted? Oh, I, absolutely, it's absolutely. Altimeter. Yeah, hearing it's air, describe, airspeed in, no, hearing you describe the situation, work. I my first thought was. When they pulled out the radio and put in the new radio, they jammed up some hose or something that was not even, uh, you know, uh, uh, twelve inches away from each other. The VSI works fine. The ASI works fine. Um, There's nothing wrong with the static plumbing at all. The altimeter, it it just kind of spun up and stopped. Uh And the dead dead giveaway is when you turn the Colesman knob and nothing happens. Exactly right. uh, Exactly right. It's pretty definitive. Altimeters, altimeters toast. And uh, you know, four hundred for an exchange, and uh, I need to get the uh, you know the IFR cert and uh, the uh, uh, static pedostatic system cert done, all that stuff done anyway. So, you know, as I say, an AMU before the smoke clears, and uh, at least I'm not a smoky hole in the ground somewhere. So, yeah, well, had, uh, had a little experience with the uh, with the old Comanche. Uh, had the original equipment, 1961, big around as a pencil number mm-hmm. two pencil pedo tube on it. And uh, had picked up, uh, picked up. No, I dropped the bride off at Kansas City International. She's flying back east, and on my way back to uh, Augusta, Kansas, uh, there was a little squall line. You could see it was raining, but you could see through it. And I went through it, and on the other side there was another one. And the other, this one was a little denser. It was a little more opaque seeing through it, but. You know, clearly it's going to be a you know fifteen or twenty second ride, and it's going to be over. Punched through that puppy, got plenty of cloud clearance. Came out the other side and glanced down, and the airspeed indicator was slowly winding itself backward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it apparently swallowed enough water in that pedo tube. Yeah. 
to to make everything kind of suck on the two static ports. And uh, my first, you know, that was kind of one of my first malfunctions in an airplane. I'm looking at that and going, okay, let's see. In instrument training, they told me this attitude and this RPM and this manifold pressure will produce this airspeed every time. Uh-huh. And so that's how we're going to land it. Exactly and, right. Huh. And so that that's what we did. And it was showing about negative 80 knots. When I touched down, <laughs> I had I had yeah, an episode. I was just waiting for some. That's a headwind, a man. That's a headwind. I was going to say that's that that's my typical ground speed, right? Um, <laughs> I, I had an episode like that when I was I was younger and still a student, and and anybody who knows me knows that that was so long ago that the statute of limitations has long since expired. So I, <laughs> I, I, I could tell this story. Um, it was uh, uh, had my you know I'd soloed and and uh, had my sign off for a local uh, solo um, uh, work and whatnot and I was going to get into 150 and go out and play a little bit and uh, um, started the takeoff roll and I'm not even you know you know I don't know a couple of hundred feet into the takeoff roll in a 150 in a hot summer uh, day and the airspeed indicator is like through 60 knots and I was like I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pulled the pulled the power off, taxi into the shop. This is when the it still has a very good shop, different shop. But uh, I taxied up to the shop, and I knew the 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 mechanic, and they knew me, and, and everything like that. And I climbed out, and said, "Hey, what's wrong with this?" And uh, I said, "I don't know. Go fly it and tell me what you think." I'm like, uh, okay, fine. So uh, I go ahead and crank back up and, and taxi back out and go fly the airplane. It was fine. Nothing wrong with the airplane except the airspeed indicator read about 40 knots high, as I recall. And, um, you know, so, uh, all right, so I'll just approach at 80 knots or, or, or 100 knots or whatever it was. The airplane flew fine, and you know, I landed a little long, shall we say. Um, taxied back in, and I said, look, it's, you know, it's reading high. It's da-da-da-da-da. And he says, "All right, fine." And he stops what he's doing, and and um, you know does some voodoo that only mechanics can do, and um, um, gets his little air compressor hose and and sticks it in another little hose in a part of the airplane, and like three drops of water come out. Uh huh. And he uh-huh. says, "It's fixed. It's fixed. That was the problem." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "And I flew it again, and it was fine." And condensate in uh, a low point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as I say, that was uh, um, well before. Um, um, well, it was, it was so long ago that I'm not going to say, but uh, the statute of limitations has expired some some time ago. So the most well, no- at, after that experience, real quick and dirty. Next annual, we put in a heated pedo system, right? Uh, for which, fortunately, the wiring had been installed at the factory in 1961. Woohoo! Yes, so all we had to do was put in a switch, put in a heated pitot tube and the uh, adapter plate, and it was done. Uh-huh. The most notable uh, equipment failure I ever I, my my flying is much less exotic than you guys, but uh, the most notable equipment failure I ever had was <laughs> uh, was I was really early on. I was in uh, solo period, but before I before my check ride, and I was at the airport that day, and I was going to go out and do some air work and fly around, and so I'm all by myself and. Uh, prep the airplane, do all the, you know, uh, uh, 
check out and uh, get in the airplane, start it up, talk to ground, get permission to taxi, a taxi from my parking space, sort of a medium-sized airport, and we were at the very edge, parked at the very edge, and so I taxied over to the uh, run-up area, and I get into the run-up area, and I do my run-up, and I do all my checks, and I'm all ready to go, and I change over to tower frequency, and I call the tower to say I'm ready to go, you know, and they don't respond. And so, and I'm hearing them just fine. But they didn't respond, so I call them again in a few minutes, and they still didn't respond. Oh, and after wow. a few minutes of this, I realize that they're not responding because they don't hear me. Uh, I'm, you know, not transmitting or something. You know, and switch back over to ground. They don't hear me either, although I hear them just fine. You know, and I'm like fiddling with the knobs and turning it on and off, and you know, and I'm just I'm hearing them fine. They're not hearing me. And I, so here I am, like the you know the solo student, you know, sitting here student pilot trying to figure out well now what do i do you know <laughs> i don't know what you know uh, how do i get out of this mess and uh, so i thought about it for a few few minutes and i said okay well here's what i'm going to do i'm just going to and so i waited until it was kind of a quiet moment in the run up area and uh, and then i uh, when it was safe and looked around and i just kind of turned around and started to taxi back towards my parking space and of course you're not supposed to taxi in this particular airport without talking to ground so right. suddenly i've got this airplane moving in you know in the in the uh, parking area without you know being in touch with with ground control and it was great because so i'm i knew what was going to happen i kind of figured this is what would happen and and it did which was i'm start taxi down the taxiway back towards my parking space and all of a sudden the ground controller comes on the radio and says okay everybody stop <laughs> and uh, and because there was an airplane moving that wasn't uh, they weren't talking to and so i stopped and uh, they taught they, you know they, they basically kind of uh, uh, you know, kind of gave me said something like, you know, it was the sort of Palo Alto equivalent of doing a wing rock. You know, it's like, you know, okay, okay, <laughs> Raise Cessna, your left arm. yeah, okay, oh, yeah. Cessna one fifty two. If you can hear me, taxi forward ten feet. You know, and so I, ta- I rolled forward ten feet, and he says, okay, good, you can hear me. He says, I guess you must be taxiing back to your parking place, so go ahead and do it. And I did, and that was the end of that. But uh, yeah. but I sit, right the, I sit in the run up area for a while. Exactly going, the right thing. Yeah, thinking, well, what do I do and, now? You know, and, uh, if you're going to have a radio failure. That's the place to do it. That's the place to do it. That's the place to do it. Because, you know, <laughs> ten, 10 minutes later, man, I would have been working the pattern with no radio. You know, I would have learned how to do, use the lights or something. But, you know, you know, I would have landed and I would have uh, taxied out and done the same thing. It wouldn't have been a life-threatening thing. But uh, my, my, my favorite time to talk about the there we were stories is around ingenues and non-believers who have ingenues. just in some way, some way or another, yeah. They they they're, they're hang they hang around they kind of like part of the part of the fringe but not part of the community and and uh, kind of leave the impression that they would really love to get into this but you know there's always stuff going wrong and they wouldn't know how to handle it and they didn't want to die and it's kind of like yeah you know but funny thing all the things that have gone wrong with me none of them have killed me uh, <laughs> and. There's this guy I know. He's had stuff go wrong, and, and 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 another guy I know. And well, if you read the reports, there's stuff go wrong on airliners all the time where nobody dies. And uh, yeah, I guess I see what you mean. You probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. Well, it's I I I don't know if I told this story on the podcast or not. Um, just a couple of years ago, <clears throat> I had um, a couple of young ladies on the airplane, a uh, mother and uh, her daughter. And I was flying them uh, from Manassas to Wilmington. And we, we fly down to Wilmington. It's a great flight and, and smooth and uh, um, a little bit of weather to dodge, but we had a smooth ride and, and I made a great landing and everything was fine and everything like that. A couple of weeks later, I'm talking, happened to be talking with the mother. And um, 
I actually I ran into both of them, uh, and um, they were laughing about something. I said, well, "What's so funny?" And she says, um, "The daughter who was sitting in the back seat, maybe fourteen years old, unbeknownst to me, I thought um, both of them had had been in light planes before." So I didn't really give the you know the full briefing and how you know nothing's going to fall off and and you know walk around the front of the airplane and say I just wanted to show you the most important nose on the airplane and and this is not it you know point at the airplane and say this is not it but point to my nose on my face and say this is the most important nose on the airplane <laughs> nothing's going to happen to this nose uh, we're going to have a sure. wonderful it's flight the, it's the one yeah. nose that smells yeah well, <laughs> uh, well it's it's you know slightly smaller than the other nose but anyway so, um, uh, yeah something like that so uh, I, I didn't even get a chance to you know do my my great you know new passenger spiel uh, on the on these people um, but uh, I come to find out from this from this conversation that the young lady in the back seat had text messaged her mother <laughs> okay, from the back seat to the front seat, basically saying, I've never been so scared in my life. <laughs> this, this was before we took off. Poor kid. I know, and I, I had no idea. And they were laughing their asses off, if I can say that without getting bleeped. You could, that won't uh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't About, think that's one of Carlin's seven deadly I don't, words. I don't, it's so. not. It's not. Meat, you know, meat, meat toots. Meat toots. Um <laughs> Um, You're really working but, it today, Jeff. Right. Yeah. So what happened? So you did you? So that was that was basically it. I just I just never had a clue that uh, she was that scared about being in this airplane. Um, it was just the text message thing. And it, it was just funny. It was just funny. It is funny. It is funny. I'm a little impressed that their text messaging worked at altitude. I mean, it, well, we we were still on the ground. Oh, you were on point. the ground. Oh, yeah, so. she was. She was that freaked up before. Yeah. Freaked out before uh, taxi. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Imagine what she must have felt like right about rotation. Oh yeah, it was. I'm sure Little it was positive like, G's there and all that. I uh, know, the, the, the pitch change and you know you rock back and you see a little bit and uh oh. Yeah, there have been a couple of times when somebody in the airplane with me wasn't as wild about it as they thought they would be or I thought they would be. Took a youngster. Well, I was that way once with you also. I took a youngster (laughs) on a young eagle's ride a few years ago. And, uh, you know, he's sitting in the right seat, and I'm explaining everything to him. And it's someplace where we can do a little noteworthy sightseeing. Uh, We've just gotten out of the pattern, and the wheel's tucked up, and I've shown him how real gentle this goes left, this goes right. And uh, said, so what would you like to do? And he looked square at me and kind of lip trembling, said, land. (laughs) (laughs) I've always figured the moment of truth with your passengers is that, you know, so, so, you know, you rotate and you're starting to climb out. And 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 sometime soon, usually you're not even over the fence yet. There is that first little, you know, you go through a little bit of shear or a little bit of something and and like the the wing dips. That's the first time the wing dips a little bit. And then you kind of and it's not a big deal, um, especially for anyone who's familiar with it. But I always watch my passengers during that moment you know right. because that's the one that's like you're gonna start, how are they doing you know and uh yeah. um, you know it's like i don't know what it is it's it's maybe it's you know when you pass through the tree line and the wind changes or something like that but there's always oh, that yeah, one yeah, little, there's usually a gradient out there yeah so. usually ex- you know except on a very exceptional day you know there's almost always it's just a one little moment to some days it's worse than others but even on a nice day there's one little you know like a little wing dip that uh, yeah. as you're climbing out and that's the one that i watch my passengers the most on just to kind of check in with them and Hot weather, hot case. cabin is the worst. Oh yeah, that's that summertime and and no air flowing and that kind of thing. That is that that is definitely the worst. And 
know, that's, that's the, the invitation to use the sleep sack. That's where the passengers turn green and, and uh, everything, you know, all this bad stuff happens. There was another episode uh, a few years before this other episode that I just mentioned. <laughs> had another young lady and her daughter uh, aboard the airplane and had the daughter. And you wonder why you have such bad luck with women. I, um, I, who, who said I had bad luck? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you're you're doing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So this other story. I'm so sorry. so I had had the young lady in the front this time, and the and the mother in the back, and uh, we take off, and and we're going to go flying around, and the 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 young girl um, really kind of lost it. She's I don't want to be here. I don't want to you know blah, 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 get this sucker on the ground kind of stuff. And I said, I that's all I need to know, guys. And um, did a 180 and called the tower. Said we're landing. He says you got a problem? I said just a passenger, and you know no mechanical. And he said all right, clear to land. And uh, you know in a discussion, mother the mother was kind of annoyed, but uh, you know I, I'm not going to take a passenger aloft. Um, this was just a joyride. We weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I'm not going to take a passenger aloft who doesn't want to be there. No, it's uh, supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's not good for me, not good for them, and uh, you know, could I, I result in stained yeah. upholstery. Yeah, a, a stained upholstery is the least of my worries, really. Yeah, uh, especially, especially when they're sitting in the front. Yeah, I have to say, I've always been impressed, though. In, and I'm not so involved lately in Young Eagle stuff, but there was a period of time when I was very involved in in doing Young Eagle flights and and helping people do them and running rallies and so forth. And uh, the percentage of kids that freaked out was very, very low. Um, yeah. You know, it, 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 I mean, it, it, very, very impressive. It was ple- it was satisfying, you know, that, that you were not only doing this good thing, but you didn't even have to worry about, you know. But there was the one guy who came back with a cockpit that didn't smell the same for quite some time. <laughs> but, that was, but that was truly well, the exception. Well, and that we've was all truly- had that happen. And I've, I've had that happen with rated pilots. I don't know. Maybe I was just, yeah. you know, doing something wrong. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah it, just, it happens, you know. The, the hot days, the, the, the air not moving through the cabin or not being able to see outside or something like that, um, it happens. And yeah. it's, it's not being a reflection. Being you know, shown aerobatics is a sure way to get my gyros out of a line and push me right mm-hmm. to the uh, to mm-hmm. the vomit comet edge. Yeah. But, uh, but if I'm doing Bananas. the aerobatics, there's no sweat, no strength. Oh, yeah. I've heard that many times, uh, not just with aerobatics, it's simply with flying. I mean, if you're flying in a situation where, you know, just a bumpy ride, um, if I'm a passenger, I'm much more likely to be affected by it than if I'm actually flying the airplane. If I'm, I'm once in a while doing air-to-air photos. Uh, oh, I would imagine that would really screw you up because you're oh, in yeah, and out of the airplane and looking through viewfinders. Oh, that must really hose. screw up your inner ear. Yeah, yeah it, it would hose. It doesn't happen I, as often as under I the, Yeah, I'd be under the, the, the back seats, you know, in a fetal position. The floor would be wet. It would be bad. The good news is, bad. though, you got the door open, so you just kind of just kind of aim out the window. Out yeah, the plenty of fresh air. Usually, <laughs> just a window open, but yeah, a door opens kind of nice. Window open. Uh, that doesn't the, explain uh, New Mexico, though. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we're just having way too much fun. You know, we're half we're thirty minutes yeah. into this podcast. We haven't even started our list yet. I don't know. I'm 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 listing pretty good already. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we've uh, we we discovered the problem. That's true. <laughs> so I'm looking at this list. I'm trying to decide. Well, because we don't need the whole list anymore. We don't well, even want if, the whole Jim list. If Jim tells anymore. us one more, it was a mother daughter combo story. I'm going to start I, having <laughs> the same kind of doubts that I had when he first told the first story and said he had a great landing. That right there was like uh, I, I don't no, have any more. I don't have any more mother daughter stories in the airplane. <laughs> I'm in awe, man. In You're the my... airplane, in the qualifier cups on that one. <laughs> 
You're my hero, man. Go for it. I'm not worthy. I'm not uh, worthy. Now you're just uh, bragging. <laughs> <laughs> Aviation news. What's going on out there? Let's see now. We're gonna we're gonna zoom through these because because we're gonna zoom through these. Cessna, so here we go. I knew Jack was right. This was the name of a podcast episode way back when, and Jack was right. We talked about the fact that Cessna had announced they were gonna manufacture the LSA in China, and I said, uh-huh. Why isn't anybody upset about this? It just seems like the kind of thing that people are gonna get upset about, and they have gotten upset. Said. Apparently, Cessna is getting a lot of mail uh, from people who are not happy with the idea of manufacturing these things in China, um, to the point where Cessna has issued an open letter trying to explain the situation and whatnot. You guys know anything about this story? You have any opinions? Did we it? talk a little bit about this last week? I don't think we talked about the, f- the flack that they're getting. I don't okay. think. We talked about the, the fact that they're building it in China, but not the flack. I think the flack is, has arisen since our podcast, and not necessarily linking the two, but... Um, no, I, actually, it, it, it predates Christmas, uh, yes, it does. The, the flack. It started pretty much the day of the announcement back in uh, uh, December uh, and kind of took on a little more crescendo, I think, in part because some people had downtime over the holiday. They were able to more pay attention, more absorb, and, and more respond. Uh, but... Uh, so the, what are people uh, concerned about? Can you summarize the kind of mail that they've been getting? Well, let's just go to the videotape here, yeah, as it were, it and, and, and look at the um, the Cessna open letter itself. Uh, if we can, if it'll open, um, yeah, making the case for the sky catcher in China, um, global aerospace industry uh, um, design tested, constructed, and serviced uh, to the same Cessna quality standards. Um, the the company in China was chosen to manufacture the Skycatcher only after an exhaustive global search that included every region of the U.S. Um, the China the Chinese company came out on top in all areas of measure. Um, <clears throat> like most consumer products today, it's difficult to classify a product as being from a single source country. Um, so it sounds like the kind of complaints there, the criticisms they were getting was that this would would affect the quality of the final product. Uh, I would. I'm not saying that's not, true. I'm just saying that's yeah, the complaints I, they were. Getting. I, I can't care. I can't. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I can't characterize the complaints that they've been receiving because I haven't seen the complaints. Um, from you just what they're down writing, the page that you're looking yeah. at, uh, yeah. there's quite 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 a number of them there down are some there. Comments, yeah. Yeah. And some of them, some of them, frankly, are uh, admittedly a little bit xenophobic. Some of them yeah. are uh, uh, fairly emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we 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 understand the the mechanics of this kind of decision these days in this environment. And in fact, very few of the LSAs certified so far, and I think the numbers around sixty mm-hmm. uh, come from the United States. There are a few. Uh, there are a few. Randy Schlitter and Rand's Aircraft just uh, just got their com- consensus uh, standards approval on a new LSA from Rand's Aircraft out in Hayes. Uh, the uh, Sport Cub and, uh, and and its competitor, they're built here in the U.S. Uh, so there are U.S.-made LSAs out there. Uh, Cessna is, you know, frankly, stuck a little bit on the horns of bad timing. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, this decision didn't get made the day they made the announcement. Uh, they rolled this out as, 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 as part of a, uh, 
well, it, 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 they'd had time to sign the papers, make the decision, and then decide how they were going to announce it and how they were going to flog it. Uh, and coming on the heels of uh, uh, multiple child's toy and product recalls, yeah. toothpaste, I think it was, and some, other, and, 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 and some other items here just in the last six or eight months involving goods made and imported from China. Uh, there, you know, it, it was it was a news story how people were looking to avoid buying toys made in China uh, for their kids at Christmas, right. Right. and then Cessna comes along in the early uh, early half of December and announces that they've picked this uh, fairly well experienced Chinese aerospace company to build the Skycatcher over there, and uh, it just kind of reignited some of that reaction can't blame some of the people for some of their arguments though uh, are, are there any are there any notable ga aircraft that are already manufactured out of china no yeah no no and and everything that they've tried to establish you tried to build to establish an industry over there going back easily into the 70s has been because they either bought a design and I'm going to I'm probably going to hear from somebody in China about this because they bought a design or struck a deal to import and represent a company for a, a line of aircraft took some of them disassembled them reverse engineered them and then announced that they were getting into aerospace with this miraculous new homegrown aircraft <laughs> or or they they uh, licensed an existing design um I I can think of the Yak and I don't know the and, yes, and a lot of yes, I'll, correct. I'll be corrected, uh, I'm sure, and I, I would welcome the correction. Uh, I know there's a Yak Russian-made um, um, singular or, or uh, a dual-seat airplane, a aerobatic, uh, uh, very popular yeah, here there in the were states. A lot of them built in it's a tri. It's a, yeah, it's a, a tri-gear airplane, I believe, and um, uh, some Chinese company. Uh, uh, I, I, CJ is the is the uh, designation I don't recall what that stands for um, licensed the design and made a tail dragger out of it and the two are very very popular here among uh, uh, some of the warbird types uh, it's a, there's nothing wrong with the airplanes no, um, it's, a, it, it, yeah. it's a good Russian design exactly it's, a, it's in sturdy as hell um, the uh, uh, but China has never developed and marketed outside of China, let me, let me qualify that, uh, a, a successful design. Um, there is a regional jet under development uh, indigenous to China. Uh, I don't know the particulars about it. I don't know who's developing it. There's also, uh, um, you know, a lot of companies or a lot of U.S. companies are, are trying to market um, trying to expand the market for U.S. products over there. I, I remember having an in-depth conversation with um, a, uh, a Cirrus person about uh, um, they're trying to, uh, you know, break into some of that market, uh, especially using the Cirrus airplanes as trainers uh, for this this what is really a burgeoning aerospace market in China. Well, they've got the, a huge yeah, vacuum as the, to, to yeah, fill there. Exactly right. As the, as the Chinese economy expands, the need for travel within China has expanded also. And they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have the equipment, they don't have the people who know how to fly, 
and it's it's just one huge opportunity um, uh, for a lot of people now. We we can we can argue and talk about you know what's that going to do to the United States economy or or the Western economy. We can argue talk about the, the political situations involving China and the, and the Western uh, Western world. But the fact is, there's not a whole lot we can do. Yeah, just dim that tide. Well, there's <clears throat> but, there's going to be some uh, you know the the comments on this on on this session page. Uh, there, there's a fair number of supportive comments of the uh, of the idea, based on the belief that Cessna is not going to let anything into the market that's not Cessna worthy, and I got to believe that's going to be true. I think I, I, the, I, I agree with you, Dave. I think that that's not going to be true. Um, I don't think that's the predominant underlying reason <clears throat> that some I people I don't either. Uh, are, are either. opposed to using China as the the site from which this airplane will will be yeah. made, yeah. site of which this well, I, I, I think that it's going to be an interesting run for the Skycatcher, uh, regardless of where they built it. Even if they built it right here in good old Kansas, USA, mm-hmm. uh, the is going the, the Skycatcher is going to have a, a run for its money for in 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 the segment of the market where Cessna. Doesn't carry as much cachet mm-hmm. as it does with a lot the large institutional customers in particular, well, and a lot of the old hands. Because when you stack it up against some of the other designs out there, mm-hmm. uh, it 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 shows that it's got some disadvantages. And, it does, uh, and and the price is one of them. The engine is another. Uh, but I think you know if you look at just the way Cessna. Uh, the, the Cessna uh, model designation for the Skycatcher, 162. They're putting it squarely between the 152 and the 172. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it is basically their new tech, high tech, whatever you want to call it, um, alternative to the the 150, 152 series. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's by design, I think, on their part. Um, it just happens to be uh, an LSA qualified aircraft. Um, uh, 150, 152 aren't, but what 150, 152 aren't? That's correct. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm no, I'm, I'm talking about the 160, the 162. Yeah, the 162. Right. 162 well, happened to be an LSA qualified aircraft. So they're they're clearly looking at this entry level market. They're clearly looking at this the 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 training aspects, uh, the training market for this airplane. Um, but I, I think that they're also not really trying to compete as as much as some others are thinking with no. uh, with the CTs with with the the mainstream LSA market right now. They're a little bit too late and too too little and too late to to break that market. They're looking at a different market. Yeah. Sport, I, I, uh, I agree with you. I think that the the, the airplane has 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 come out. In a form that favors the institutional buyer yeah. right. and the institutional user and the industrial user. And when I say industrial, I don't mean heavy industry, but like a, a, a solo CFI mm-hmm. who's got an airplane of his own that he rents out for flight training that he then gives. Uh, you know, he's putting 40 hours on the airplane a week, maybe 
20 to be conservative if he's trying to make a living. And the airplane needs to be sturdy, which the Skycatcher is, and it needs to uh, be able to hold up to a lot of heavy use. Uh, a lot of shops are more comfortable and more familiar with the Continental than the Rotax. Uh, I think that's a shame that there wasn't some idea about educating them because in a lot of ways there's some real advantages to the Rotax and, and some yeah. advantages to the Continental. Yeah. But uh, the uh, the individual customer didn't really seem to be as much of a target here. I agree with you, Jeb, and uh, uh, I, I, I don't think that Cessna is going to hurt any of the other competitors all that much as it is going to bring more players to the market overall, and that'll benefit everybody. The, right. C- the Sebring show must be going on right about now, isn't it? Uh, Wednesday? Next week. Next, Next week. week. We, should Next get, week yeah. we should get Dan back into the uh, hangar and uh, get an update on... on uh, yeah, that'd you know, be a good thing to do. We want to do it before LSA or after industry. the show. Or during. We got him from the uh, from his RV last year, so uh, That's right. you know, something That's right. like that. Anyways, yeah, we should we should definitely get DJ back in here. Check the oh. show notes for a link to the uh, to the news story about this uh, Chinese manufacturing uh, flak and also uh, the Cessna response letter. Check it out. Here's a story that uh, is this is a story that's been in the news for quite some time now, and I've just been passing over because it's kind of I mean the same old story, which is that uh, the state everyone's up especially it's up here in New England. We're nervous about this because the state of Maine has suddenly started to uh, enforce oh, this, yeah. Uh, yeah. this uh, I don't know excise tax, some sort of property tax thing on airplanes that spend more than I think it's twenty days in the state of Maine, which means they're like getting people whose airplanes are up there for for maintenance and whatnot. So. Uh, and this has been a big thing because somebody got a big bill, and, I, and mostly I've been been kind of not ignoring, but passing over the story because this is we've had this story, we've seen this story in a bunch of different states. We talked about it here on the podcast about I don't know six months ago or so about Florida, and uh, you know, on one level, it's kind of the same old broken story, and it's a, a drag, but it's life in the 21st century. Um, it's come up on the on the, in the forum on the uh, uncontrolled airspace forum, um, and uh, they're talking about it over there a little bit. But Dave, you had an interesting, uh, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, this prompted a, a story of yours uh, that you told in the forum. I, I was hoping you might retell that right now because uh, interesting oh. the way that you got bit in the ass, so to speak, um, about this kind of a weird tax situation. Hang on, that ass sounds like an excuse to take a drink. Hold on. <laughs> okay. We have our own internal drinking game now. As of this moment. Uh, hey, if we don't take care of ourselves, who will? Well, yeah. Yeah, the uh What happened, Dave? Well, when you when you rent a house or or a storage space, you know, there's certain uh home is your castle rights are expected to go with that. Uh including the right of uh security in your in your property there and 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 that that space that you're renting. And uh, a number of years ago, when Andy and I had a a, a, a Comanche 180 hangar at Augusta, Kansas, uh, it was owned and operated by our business, and uh, uh, apparently one weekend, a uh, tax assessor for uh, Butler County showed up on the weekend when the manager wasn't at the airport and threatened and browbeat the Ram boy into opening up all the hangars huh. one by one so that this uh, uh, uh county government official could take down all the tail numbers and send out tax notices to everybody that wasn't on the tax rolls. We found out about this before we got the tax bill. 
and we didn't think much about it because in Kansas there are two 100% property tax exemptions. That's the, the tax they were going to levy, uh, personal property tax. Uh, businesses and individuals are both liable for them here. And, uh, but there are two ironclad exemptions from that personal property tax where aircraft are concerned. And, and and other tools of business. One is if it's 100% business use, mm-hmm. which the airplane was. The other is if it's an antique. <laughs> there you go. Which the airplane was. There you go. Yeah. So we'd never, you know, we'd never thought anything about it. It's exempt. It's exempt two ways from Sunday. And we got a tax bill for nearly $3,000. And uh, an admonition about not reporting this and paying taxes in the past. And they were going to be looking at records to see if they could determine how long we'd owned the airplane. And uh, a bill for back taxes may be coming. And, uh, you know, if we didn't get on a jump and pay these, we could be in for dire uh, ramifications up to and excluding, including seizure of the aircraft. Now, this is where you not sure whether to freak out, fall down laughing, or... Uh, Go buy a lot of ammo. Well, I was thinking grab the airplane and move it to another county, but uh, that's another story. Uh, at any rate, uh, we talked to our accountant, we talked to our lawyer. Uh, this was going to be an annual bill of nearly $3,000, above and beyond the pure joy of economic burden that came with owning the airplane and operating at about 175 hours a year. So uh, uh, come to find out, there was a form that had to be obtained and filed with the State Tax Appeals Board, I think it was. Uh, And all we had to do was document the antiquity of the airplane. We could also document it business-wise. But we figured just doing it as an antique would you know, cause it to never be further questioned. It's not going to get younger, right? That's right. That's right. And uh, so once an antique, always an antique, ask anybody my age. And uh, we filed the paperwork. We filed the paperwork with the state and got the, you know, letter back saying that they had received the paperwork and they were going to be putting it through their uh, uh, pipeline and their process. And for the next, I think it was eight months or so, uh, if that conflicts with what I wrote, don't hold me to it. That was before Beer 30. But uh, we re- got repeated, periodic, pretty regularly scheduled uh, seizure notices from the Butler County, Kansas sheriffs because we hadn't paid up. And then we'd call the county tax people and fax them over the form and the documenting evidence to support the form. And they'd kind of, you know, let us know, don't worry about it. We'll inform the sheriff these letters are spit out automatically. Uh, but there's something just dis- discomforting and unsettling about getting a letter saying, if you don't resolve this in 72 hours, we're coming for your airplane. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, I wanted to see the guy saddle it up dig in the spurs and ride it out of town but that's another story <laughs> so you finally resolved the whole thing though right finally resolved the whole thing but it took multiple phone calls multiple hours of time uh you know and it seemed like it should be so simple yeah. we take the paper documents that uh, the faa requires that have manufacturing data and serial number and all that and have somebody look at it and they go oh yeah stamp a piece of paper and be done with it oh yeah it usually is that simple 
Oh, yeah, it seemed like it should be. Now, the ringer in all this is that once we got it all settled, I know, as Jeb would say, got the punchline is, for, right? We got a tax <laughs> bill for zero. Yeah. And now you regularly get a tax bill and every year. And then we continued to get a tax bill every year for zero. <laughs> uh, Do you send them the a check for zero? Airplane. You should send them a check for zero. <laughs> you know, if they try, they may be silly enough to spend money to collect nothing, but I'm not silly enough to spend money to pay them nothing. That's right. My only comment, and I, I you know, you did exactly the right thing, and, and uh, you know, I have, you know, kind of my own stories on all this, but my only comment about the uh, – uh, is it New Hampshire or Massachusetts? I forget which. which? Maine. Maine. Maine is Maine. the one that the most recent Maine. Uh, incident. Um, the Maine thing is, is, sort of, <laughs> um, is you know, they're, they're saying, you know, you have the airplane in the state for, for 20 days, and that gives rise to a taxable event. Well, I mean, because um, there's, there's uh, a residency established. Yeah. Well, I'm sure all of the college students in the state of Maine would be ecstatic to know that, that 20 days no, established residency. And they no longer have to pay out-of-state tuition. State tuition. <laughs> that should be pointed out to those. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's rather inconsistent. Of them, don't you think? I think one. that there's a lawyer out there that ought to file a class action suit on behalf oh. of the students. Yeah. It Anyways. might clarify the definition of what establishes residency because you can't establish freaking residency to vote in 20 sure. days. Yeah. So how can you establish residency to pay taxes? They won't let you vote on those taxes. Yeah. So unless well, you can vote on those taxes, I don't see where any of these states get off with the idea that, oh, you you visit here, you spend money here, you don't have to spend yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, Dave, you're so We're naive. We're going to tax you for it anyway. You're so naive. No, 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 I'm pissed off. I know. We'll put a link yeah, in the show notes to the uh, to this story to kind of explain a little bit more about how it's getting kind of untangled up in Maine, but it's still a little bit of a thing. And uh, anyways, one bit of business here. I uh, wanted to make an announcement. I hope this is not a premature announcement, but uh, I've been working with uh, some of our friends and some of the other aviation podcasts. This is actually not our idea. This is a... Uh, 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 I'm not exactly sure whose idea it was originally. We but, never have an original idea. But so. we're along for the ride here, and it's going to be a fun ride. Uh, we're looking forward to it. This is going to come up uh, during the week of February 4th, which is about, what, th three, four weeks from now. Um, during the week of February 4th, we're going to be joining with three uh, other of our fellow aviation podcasts to present a special, what we're currently calling a podcast formation flight. Hopefully, we're going to come up with a better name for it. But uh, yeah, uh, during that Mark week... Pushing in loose formation or something. During that, that's right. During that week, uh, <laughs> each of these aviation podcast will be including special features uh, in the podcast about different aspects on the subject of buying and owning your own airplane. And so, uh, for example, uh, the Airspeed uh, podcast done by Steve Tupper is going to talk a little bit about, Steve happens to be a lawyer in real life, and so he's going to talk a little bit about the legal aspects of, of buying and owning aircraft. Jason Miller of the Finer Points apparently is going to talk a bit about uh, some of the uh, training and uh, CFI related uh, aspects of, of upgrading your airplane, which is usually what happens when you buy an airplane. Uh, Will Hawk Hawkins is going to do some some real cool grassroots talking with his. Uh, I think he's going to do a special episode with his partner uh, in uh, in the airplane that he owns, uh, and uh, and we're going to do it. I have no idea what we're going to talk about yet, but uh, but then we never What's know. Bill Hawkins going to talk about. Uh, he, he, he's getting together with his the partner his partner in his they airplane. They haven't decided, is what you're saying? Yeah, probably. Now he's actually apparently already done it. He beat us all to the punch when this idea came up about two months ago. He said, "Oh, I'm going to do that," and he did it already. And he's going to do another episode. Can yeah, he, no, he did. He's already published it and he's done with it. Now he's going to do oh, another one because well, because suck you know, my nose. Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> and we're going to do something too. We're going to invite a couple of special guests into the hangar to talk a bit about the uh, the joys and and uh, you know whatever of uh, of buying and owning your airplane. The joys are the joys and whatever. <laughs> the joys and whatever. <laughs> Man, between altimeters breaking and taxmen getting into your hangar, you know, I mean, it's definitely a bittersweet kind of thing. So, anyway. Well, I- Watch, watch for uh, for the all the aviation podcasts during the week of February fourth, uh, and make sure if you don't already subscribe to some of these that you do, and uh, and learn a little bit more about uh, buying and owning your own airplane. And that should be uh, uncontrolled airspace number sixty six, I believe is. What I am so disappointed at that point. Why? Why? Well, why? Well, when you said special features, I was going to ask for leather seating, but uh, and the. Uh, the whole thing uh, fell flat anyway. Yeah, it's so, up the no, week of February fourth. Yeah, so, this, uh, this this is this gets into the we don't want to know area. <laughs> There's all kinds of great things. I keep babbling about this, but it's true. If you haven't visited the UCAP forums uh, on our website yet, you're missing out because there's a lot of cool stuff in there. And I just wanted to I kind of summarized. I've got a handful of things. I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of some of the subjects that are being discussed in the forum. So let's see now. Uh, here's one from uh, listener, uh, website visitor, poster Dave A. Uh, this is regarding, we talked last uh, episode about uh, someone asked to us to identify a particular red, low-wing, uh, radial-engined airplane yes, that was thank there. you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for and we filling about up. It, and yeah. he writes that, uh, he says, it's a Ryan ST3KR, also known in the Army Air Corps as the PT-22. He said it's modified with a W670 Continental, uh, the kind of engine that comes in a Stearman. So I think that's the airplane that my buddy the Leprechaun and his crew spent really? some time working on a few weeks before Christmas. Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was down at uh, Wellington, Kansas. Um, uh, I didn't see it. They showed me some pictures of it. Uh, I haven't seen them to look at the pictures and say, gee, is this the same airplane? But uh, they described it for me in great detail, uh, you know, and just what a what a phenomenal airplane it was. Yeah. And then got to see it briefly in person at a little uh, uh, CAF fly-in at uh, Dead Cow International, and but only briefly because it was about two three people deep in uh, crowd the whole time, and it is just a stunning stunning piece of wing. Yeah, it was a beautiful airplane. Uh, Let's see now. Uh, in a recent episode, uh, we talked about uh, the Vans R- RV homecoming fly-in that's uh, been held for years in Oregon. Uh, and uh, listener Tom T. Uh, wrote in to say, uh, I'm a private pilot and building an RV-7A, which should fly this year. He says, uh, Dave, I enjoyed the discussion uh, about your stint as an RV builder and the group's discussion of the Vans Homecoming Fly-In. Just so you know, it has been several years since it was held at Vans Home Field. Van built a new factory in Aurora, and the Fly-In has been held there for the past several years. However, last year, uh, Tom writes, uh, due to commercial expansion on the field surrounding the factory, it was decided to move it to uh, due to the lack of parking. Uh, and then Tom goes on to tell us how uh, in 2007, the fly-in was hosted by, I believe it's EAA Chapter 292 uh, at their home field in Independence, Oregon, which is uh, I, apparently uh, 7 Sierra 5. And uh, uh, 292 is hoping to host it again this year. So uh, thanks to Tom for updating on that us on that. And even if you're not an RV owner, I always figured it'd be cool to go to that fly-in. It just looks like it's a lot of fun. And, it, it uh, does. Yeah. Tom, good, good best of best wishes to you on your build 
uh, we, you know, tell us more about it when you're finished. The other interesting part of that message that I find uh, uh, just remarkable is the fact that Vans has had to expand yeah. the fact and, and now has no parking available. Or at least so not, had, enough, not enough parking uh, for that, all the airplanes. That's not enough parking. That's yeah, the new that, that's expanded really factory yeah, that they moved right. into from the old original one, right. which was I just, expanded I, from a little right. shop in downtown. Exactly. I just find that just uh, amazing and, and a really great thing. Well, yeah. what, what did we see recently that they've been the, the, the five thousandth finished RV flew back last month? Something like was that. It only five thousand? Yeah. I thought it was a larger number. That's finished. I understand. It, it finished and flying. And, Dude, and, you can go to Oshkosh, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting an RV. That's right. Oh, I know. And, and, and it's a good thing because dead cats are so hard to come by up there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't I don't want to get into the email that, that uh, I, I got earlier today. That. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. That's right. I was going to put that on the list. All right. We'll come back to that one later on. Uh, listener Mark uh, Z. Listener Mark uh, Z made a posting, made a great informative post. And I'm not going to try and even read any of it. But, um, but it, you should check it out. And he basically said, for for real budget flying, you need to get an ultralight. And uh, there you go. He pointed us in the direction of a website called part103.org, uh, which uh, has a lot of information about ultralight flying and all the different aircraft that are available and a lot of the issues and and whatnot. And uh, a lot of good information in Mark Z's post as well as at that uh, website. Um, I've always thought ultralight flying would be way cool. And he uh, I, he I mean I was ready to like pick up the phone and, and write a check because he his post <laughs> was was very compelling and. Uh, well, the most economical flying is OPM. Yeah, well, of course. So I'm going to come and visit you. And, well, it, uh, we could also point folks in the direction of the U.S. Ultralight Association site, right. which is, exactly. you know, www.usa.org. Uh, USUA was founded uh, in, and operated for some time by my old buddy John Ballantyne. Uh, it's based in Frederick uh, because John was an expatriate from AOPA about the same time I was when he started USUA in his basement. And uh, uh, so they've been around, let's see, that was just a few months ago, wasn't it? About 20, I want to say 25 years now. Uh, a lot of information on ultralights there and uh, Ultralight Flying Magazine uh, and Sport Pilot, as it's added to its name recently. Uh, they're a good source for a lot of party flying. Uh, I, I think we brushed on it a little bit last week. It's it's just great, simple stuff. doesn't have to be for anything particularly practical. Uh, I mean, just the idea of boring holes in the sky and cruising around over the countryside is practical enough for a yeah. lot of us. Good stuff, good stuff. Listener... Co- Let's see, this is his username in the forum, Cozy171BH, uh, sent us a, or, or put a posting in the forum. Uh, clarifying, Sounds like a number to me. Clarifying the uh, new age 65 retirement rule, he writes, uh, Part 121 makes no distinction as to whether you are flying passengers or freight. He, by the way, is, uh, in fact, a, 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 a pilot. Uh, a working airline pilot, so he has, has some some basis to talk about this stuff. He says it makes no distinction whether you are flying passengers or freight. He says the same rules apply to the operator if it's United carrying people in a 757 or UPS carrying boxes in a 757. He said to, to the FAA, the rules are designed to keep both flights safe, regardless of the number of souls on board. As far as the retirement age is concerned, the same rule applies to both passenger pilots and us, quote, freight dogs out here. 
And then he goes I, on. I should have remembered that. Yeah. He goes on in his posting to talk about um, our, our remaining loophole um, that traps some of the pilots that are on the bubble that turn 60 before a certain date, but not in time for, and I won't try and summarize it here, read it in the... So is, isn't there, you know, doesn't the FAA always have some kind of thing where one hand giveth and one hand taketh away? Well, remember now that this wasn't the FAA in this particular instance. This was well, an act of Congress. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, mean, I don't disagree we, with we, you. We, we, you're absolutely right. We can't uh, but beat I'm them thinking, up over this one. We yeah. can beat them up over dragging their feet so bloody long it took an act of Congress. But that's mm-hmm. another issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listener Jim, uh, I was thinking of the uh, the uh, LSA, the sport pilot um, uh, medical requirement. If you've been denied a medical, you can't fly. But if you just let your medical expire, knowing that you can't get another one, you can continue to fly, and that's that's just a major loophole. That's it. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. Listener Jim G, who is uh, actually a great friend of the podcast, we've heard from him many times. We met him when we were in Oshkosh, and uh, he had some great uh, uh, insights and feedback and suggestions for us, uh, has posted on the forum. He, he writes, uh, one of my favorite fly-in restaurants is the Kitty Hawk Restaurant at Altoona Blair County Airport near Altoona, Pennsylvania. Sure. Alpha Zero Zero, I believe it is. Um, or is it Oscar Oscar? I'm not sure. But uh, It's uh, Alpha, Alpha Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. It's Oscar Oscar. Okay. He says the burgers are tasty and the fries and other potato dishes are outstanding. The staff have been consistently welcoming and friendly. And on a nice Saturday or Sunday, there's always a line of planes forming on the ramp around 11 a.m. or so. So that's uh, another yet another airport restaurant. We're going to do something with all these airport restaurants we're collecting up. I don't know. We're going to build something where they get displayed on a map or something. I don't know. We're going to get a UCAP discount. <laughs> or that. That's right. Yeah. And then another posting from Jim G. Uh, he writes about the uh, online wings program, which has been a subject of conversation in the in the forums. And and he writes, my biggest complaint about the new online program. And admittedly, he says this is a very trivial complaint. He said there's no jewelry involved. He said I liked getting the wings pin. And I like having them along oh. along with the certificates as a little memento of having made the effort. Now, all of you, uh, all, now all you get, he writes, is an email message uh, to yourself confer- confirming your status in the program. He writes, if it's a wings program, then there ought to be wings. And he's absolutely right. I agree. He's absolutely right. What are these wings pins? I forget. The last one I got was, was metal, um, as I recall. Uh, I've seen other ones where they were plastic. Uh, we can't be talking twenty-five cents a piece for these things. Yeah, well, it's like Dave's bill for zero dollars in tax. It's not the cost of the pin; it's the cost of getting it to you. And uh, but, yeah, anyways, there should be a pin. There should be a pin. I agree. I bet a lot of people though would uh, would would not balk at a uh, send a stamp self-addressed envelope. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Lord knows that's we did exactly enough of that right. when we were kids to get, uh, you know, decoder rings and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, magic uh, uh, sea monkey kits uh, off cereal boxes when we were kids. So uh, as long as it's not ninety nine, ninety nine, ninety five, why that might be worth an approach. No, that's, that's, that's definitely something we ought to follow up on with the FAA. You know, say, dude, what are you thinking? Yeah, I know who to talk to. Because they, they are just, we have so much influence and clout with the FAA. Well, it's not so much influence and clout, it's just raising the visibility of this. I mean, yeah. of all, you know, given the FAA's budget, um, they they have to, they, they, they use the lack of jewelry as the cost-cutting measure here? Give me a break. 
<laughs> and finally, from listener uh, C.O. Flyer, I'm guessing that stands for Colorado Flyer. He writes, uh, I listened with interest to your discussion about the next generation ELTs, especially about different methods for someone to determine you've had a flying problem. In that vein, an article in the January 2008 issue of AOPA Pilot caught my eye last night. Quote, uh, the, titles, uh, the article is entitled Gear to Survive. Uh, he writes that uh, the article describes the Spot Satellite Messenger, a handheld device that receives GPS signals and transmits your location to five email addresses and telephone numbers of your choice upon command. And he talks a little bit more about some of the capabilities of it and, uh, and whatnot. Check out that posting. But uh, there's all I, kinds I of gadgets. Do you guys know this yeah. gadget? No, I saw the I saw the same article in AOPA's uh, magazine, and yeah. uh, it does look like a kind of nifty little device. I, uh, um, you know, obviously the the uh, real trick here um, is will it is is there an automatic uh, activation mode or something like this, a G force related mode or something like that. Um, uh, and it doesn't appear to be. It's a much simpler device than right. that. But. I got the I got the feeling that the device works on the G. I should turn this on rather than uh-huh. G force. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you have you definitely have to push a button. There has to be some operator intervention with it. But but no, the 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 uh, CO flyer the idea is sound. Right. The CO flyer is absolutely right. It's an interesting little product, and uh, uh, depending on price and availability, it might be something that's stuck into the flight bag. Yeah, and Beats said bogus idea. I heard from one tourist once that they just, you know, use their cell phone. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Just text the front seat, and uh, you know, that's right. Just text the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, thanks to these listeners uh, for uh, these postings, and thanks to all the listeners. This is just at the tip of the iceberg. The forum is a cool place right now, and if you haven't checked out the forum, you should go to uncontrolledairspace.com/forum, and uh, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on there. Let's see now. Uh, I don't know. We're kind of beginning to reach the end of our allotted time here. Uh, one story. I'm I out of here. That's one story. That's a, 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 re, <laughs> reaching the end of that allotment as well. Uh, so we t- we've talked about UAVs in the uh, in the in the airspace uh, off and on over time, and this is a story that caught my eye. Apparently, Air Force pi- what did they think was going to happen? Air Force pilots apparently are getting a little miffed that after going through pilot training, they then get a f- assigned to fly from a ground based station a UAV. And uh, no, a quote from the story it says, about 120 Air Force pilots may be wondering how they're going to, quote, do something amazing, which apparently is an Air Force advertising slogan, after being transferred to fly, quote unquote, unmanned drone aircraft. So I don't know. What do you think? I, I just, I, I'm mostly, you know, we, this sort of is a, the, the, the latest in this continuing story about how UAVs are going to work. And, um, I, well, unless, unless the services change the, the quality of the personnel. That uh, uh, not only endure but excel in the program that you know the big funnel that leads to the small end where that trickle of combat pilots comes out. Uh, I would bet it was like graduating from fighter school in any of the past six decades, only to be told you're going to stay here and instruct. We think you're that good. Yeah. Well, and I don't have any in, any inside information about this process. And but here, here's what I, the scenario I can imagine. For it would seem to me that we don't need these highly trained, you know, kind of fighter pilot qualified guys and women to operate these UAVs, that it's a different kind of flying and that you can, because you can have, you know, supervisors and teams and backups, it's kind of a, but it would seem to me that 
the uh, the existing pilot force probably don't want lower qualified people flying these because it's kind of a pride thing and no, we're the pilots and we fly things and whatnot. But suddenly they get their wish and now they get to fly them. I don't know. It's a weird story. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of the opinion that there's a, a, a difference in understanding between somebody that's taught to fly a sim, which is basically what you're doing when you're flying one of these UAVs, is flying a sim, except there's something real out there responding. You get as much of the same feedback and G reaction uh, flying a sim, you know, a computer-based sim, playing, you know, flight sim from Microsoft as you do in these UAVs, as opposed to a guy that's actually been out there, felt the bumps and the rolls and the turbulence, Who's able to see stuff and 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 act accordingly, flying a UAV, and at the cost of some of these, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, I, I can't get too worked up about this. Um, I, you know, if the letdown for me if I train Air, Air Force training is is probably you know one of the top two or three best sources of training aviation training in the world. Navy, U.S. Navy being the other, and, and uh, yeah. uh, you know maybe Russian or, or U.K. or French or something like that being being the third. Um, so I can't get too worked up about you know um, their career paths here. Uh, in ten years, they'll be you know uh, uh, piloting an Airbus across the pond and uh, um, making a lot more money than I am. I, you know, if, if on the flip side of this though. If the Air Force is, or any military agency for that matter, uh, is interested in, in people who are going to fly UAVs uh, from the ground and go home at night, uh, may I offer up my 22-year-old son? Uh, because, you know, he's a video game whiz. He's got a college education. And, um, you know, I kind of need him off the uh, the dole right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to He's going to graduate in the spring. And uh, I, you know, you know, show him, show him, check him out on the software, check him out on the uh, uh, on, on the joystick, and he'll probably do ninety nine percent of what these hundred and twenty guys can do. I, I, I kind of wonder if you know. Again, maybe we're putting a little bit too much emphasis on uh, on the military way to do things here, and maybe overlooking a few other uh, possibilities. <laughs> I, I have a hard time not empathizing with those hundred and twenty guys that thought they were candidates to have their butts strapped to uh, an F-22 or an F-A-35 in a few years and now find themselves strapped to a desk chair. Uh, Well, yeah, I I, I do empathize with that. Is is this what I signed up for? Yeah, my empathy has limits in that I'm not going to be flying an F-22 anytime soon. So uh, I can't get too worked up about it. I wouldn't turn it down. I wouldn't turn it down. I, I sign sign me up, and and uh, which party part do you want? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can think of a few non-functional parts we can give up in a big ass hurry. Yeah, I, you know, I got a couple of pinkies here that I'd be happy to to share with somebody. But uh, I could contribute some extra brain cells from tonight. No, you uh, no, 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 that would be bad. <laughs> that would be I bad. I think the ones were already dead, but what the hell? Yeah. All right, yeah. boys. So I've pushed a few uh, things off the list to next week. Is there anything you want to touch on before we uh, move on? It's something we shouldn't leave till next week. Continuing, uh, just one final thought on this UAV thing. Oh, okay, all right. Um, I tried, folks at home. No, no, no. Um, 
it, it's just a lot different strapping yourself into something that's going to leave the ground and and you know kind of trusting in yourself and and the people who maintain it uh to get you back on the ground in one piece uh it's it's not the same thing as sitting in a bunker or, or a desk somewhere and and playing with a joystick and say, oops you know uh, i crashed oops you you're still going to go home that night the guy in the cockpit isn't and uh, there there's there's a big difference there uh, yeah, I'm prejudiced, you know, towards the guy who's sitting in the cockpit, and and perhaps not all that sympathetic to these guys, um, but um, you know, that's the way of the world. It's 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 uh, uh, the the way things are changing, and we all have to deal with it. Yep. Yep. Any of these stories I've pushed off, we should definitely touch on today. I can't see one. Okay. Shout out. We talk- I can't see, of did course. We, but did we talk about the weather enough? Oh, actually, I think we did just the right amount of weather tonight. I think we just <laughs> all right. They've been talking about weather in the forum too. I've been talking about us talking about weather in the forum. And, ah, uh, we've actually had drink, a couple of listeners. How many, how many we'll shots you when we talk about weather? Yeah, right. No, we'll, we'll weather the storm. That's right. Shout outs. Well, anything, well, anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to mention before we finish up here? Say the Sarasota Avionics Inc. Uh, good luck, guys, and knock yourselves out. And I hope it still comes in under an AMU. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a there was a forum posting I think from one of your uh, DC uh, pilots list buddies. Uh, oh really? Yeah. So you got to get I, in there. Maybe again, I've I've got to I've got to check. I know up. you're busy. We're, we're we're teasing you. We give you a hard time. No, you are, and and justifiably and and rightly. But uh, I'll, I'll try to you know go visit a little bit. I'm here. not worried, man. I'm not worried. It took us a year to get you into the blog. You'll you'll be you'll be there Does eventually. You have a blog, <laughs> Dave. Any shout outs? Uh, I'm just going to say, everybody get out. If you don't get a little winter air time here in the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, at least get out the airport, check the runway, check the wind, check in with your other pilots, stay connected. Uh, we're going to be back badgering at you about some uh, 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 FAA things here in the next few weeks. So now's a good time when everybody's ignoring it to kind of go out and just talk about the weather. That's right. Learn more about Dave Higdon and his work at uh, his website, DaveHigdon.com. And, but why uh, would you want to? And Jeb Burnside at uh, one of his many websites, JebBurnside.com or AviationSafetyMagazine.com or AvWeb.com. And myself uh, at uh, JackHodgson.com or AroundTheField.net. Or visit us all at the UncontrolledAirspace.com website. So thank you, everyone, for joining us in the virtual hangar. And we'll talk to you all again next time. 